Did you see the podcast follows us? Who is that? They want your recipes. How to make a life without children. Oh, honey, you're following the wrong podcast. You got the wrong vibes going on here. <laughs> Not for you. We have so she many children. Thanks for a food oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, she probably Everyone thinks we're a food podcast. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. As always, we have Jen Jen. Hello. Timic Isaac. Hi. Tabs. Hello. Jamie. Hello. And I'm Rachel Flanagan. Today we are discussing food and all that our families have learned about, well, pipe down, Jen Jen. <laughs> We're not discussing delicious recipes for <laughs> there's a variety of us on this podcast we're on a health initiative right now oh, is that so... what you want to call it nice tabs nice and then there's yeah. me i'm a high calorie friend anyhow <laughs> that's just... not what we're talking about today today we are talking about feeding and eating and all that lies between for our children i know that it will not surprise our listeners that we come from five different points of view here. We are not experts. We are moms doing the best we can. And we are excited to share our experience around all of this feeding and stuff. Because I think for probably all five of us, it came as a surprise that this too would be so affected by the rigidity, by the sensory input, by the, like, there's so many things that go into food that as a neurotypical person, I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought my auntie lied about mushrooms because she had a chip on her shoulder. Not that there could really be a problem with mushrooms. You know what I'm saying? That isn't an allergy. So I, um, I'm excited to discuss it because I, I just, this is a world I didn't know about until I was in it. James, do you want to talk a little bit about how your experience, I know you told me last night you were following this awesome Instagram feeding therapist prior to even momming so hard, right? So yeah, before Jesse was born, I lived with my brother and sister-in-law at the time and they had had a baby six months before my niece and she did baby led weaning with her. She was doing baby led weaning and I had never heard of that before. What is baby led weaning? So baby led weaning is- I don't either actually know what it is. You don't do baby- Oh, thank you, Jen. Yeah, you skip over the baby food. You skip over baby food. So you go straight to like- finger foods and like you basically go to fruits and vegetables right off the bat so jesse's first food was literally a banana like just a piece of banana that he kind of not but it freaks a lot of people out because they're like and so i wanted to take this course and like learn as much as i can and their course had baby led weaning stuff in it but it's not strictly that it's just it's like about feeding And, and i was pregnant and so i researched that and got really into it and i discovered feeding littles on Instagram I think through that they're also on Facebook but it is by a dietitian and I believe a nutritionist but um, I found that on Instagram and I just got really into that and they have like a feeding course online and all this stuff and I always say I just feel like kind of lucky I did that but I also don't know I don't know how Jesse would have been with food but that's like the one thing we've always been okay with I was just really lucky that I did that because I just learned to give Jesse like a huge variety of food. Like it helps kids diversify in food a lot. It helps mm-hmm. them. It literally teaches you what we learn in feeding therapy. If you've ever done feeding therapy with your child, you'll know all this to let your kid play with the food. That mm-hmm. the first idea of them is like seeing the food and then touching the food and then maybe touch like putting it to their mouth. So you let your baby do that from day one, figure out on their own. 
mm-hmm. and go through there. And, and Jesse's not like, he's a good eater and that he'll eat a good quantity of food, which I'm very grateful for, but he's, he's still pretty picky. Um, but he'll like, he's picky in that, like he'll eat apples and berries. Um, he doesn't love vegetables because probably doesn't think they taste good, but he'll eat some okay things. But I know a lot of people in our community struggle a lot, a lot, a lot. And Jesse struggles in a lot of other areas and he's very, um, particular about food and stuff. So for me, I'm just like glad we started off on that foot and I don't know which way it could have gone if I hadn't done that, but I feel like it helped me a lot. And then when we got to those places where he got to be like three and four and he became really picky and stagnant, I knew the tools without yeah. first having to hit up feeding therapy. I already knew some of those tools from taking some of those courses. And the red flags too, right? Like yeah. you had an awareness of like, oh my gosh, there's a hold up here. Well, we like, we always have our fruit out on the counter, which is like, I don't know if I would have done that before, but like, I just learned that like, if he's seeing these things around all the time, he's more likely to want those things and partake with those. But I still can't, I can get the kid to drink a smoothie, which is pretty cool, but I can't get him to eat like a carrot. So (laughs) it's just, that's where we're at. But I, I don't know. I do understand also, like I have um, two nephews who like are very, very picky eaters who are pretty sure have like sensory aversions to things that like I get it like it's really really hard and it's sad for like my sister and my sister-in-law to watch their kids not want to eat and that's something hard for us to understand because it's I mean, so hard because you you food. think of it as wanting mm-hmm. you think of it as like in terms of flexibility but it isn't Jen your story is that I mean that go for it sister so my daughter um we did, we dabbled in, um, and I want to be clear when I, when I, when I talk about this, I'm not criticizing any direction anyone went. I'm just talking about what, what didn't work for us. So feeding therapy at OT 15 minutes a week is not going to get your kid to eat. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So if your kid is, is, doesn't eat food, which my daughter didn't chew or swallow a solid food until she was eight years old. Um, 15 minutes a week is never going to get your kid to eat food. But Jamie, they did. They got her to touch it. They got her to play with it. They do art projects with it. And it was actually her OT that said to me, she needs like an actual feeding clinic, not a feeding therapy program within a program, within a program, within a program. She's never going to eat this way. Um, And I appreciated her being honest one because she could have kept billing me for this waste of time. She chose not to right? And she referred me to West coast feeding behavioral clinic. We're the only specialized feeding clinic here in Canada. Um, But there's apparently a lot in the United States, which a lot of people tell me they've never heard of them, but they're all over there because there is no longer access to them because of the mental health crisis and the eating disorders kicking up in COVID. But so the, the therapist that did Kaya quite often would go to the States and uh, families would fly them there. I chose the nine day intense intervention. It was $10,000. It took me three years to pay it off, but it was worth every single cent. Uh, They take credit cards. So I got a lot of air miles. (laughs) And I remember the day vividly walking into this, it's in a building, it's Starbucks below. And we went up this elevator and I was like, all right, kid, we got one shot. I can't, I don't know how I'll ever come up with another $10,000. I mean, I would come up with another 10,000 if I had to, but that's a lot of money mm-hmm. on the preface of it, it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, she can go through the program again. I mean, it's that cut and dry. 
Also, Kaya was one of the oldest kids they had in the sense of usually they get kids at two and three, right? Not eight years old. So foods like Cheerios are not considered a solid food because they dissolve, right? So they're not because babies eat Cheerios. And if I don't know how the links work, but we can put some links. I have clips of Kaya and her first bites of food. So to consider a child to not like a food, they need to try the item 100 times. Now, that doesn't mean right then and there. You never force, you never force the kid to eat food, but I didn't think she liked chicken. I was like, she doesn't like chicken. She's not going to eat chicken. I have my back all up against chicken. By the way, chicken is her favorite food. Okay. <laughs> and like it's on five favorite. days a week. Right. Yeah. And she'll like lick that bone. It was ABA based, which I was a little bit hesitant to do. And they, they sit in a specific chair. They're not strapped in. They're not a big, you know, a lot of people are like, well, they must harness them in and make them eat. That is not what they do, but it's a chair that helps their digestion. It's a certain way they sit for eating. I remember when they asked me to make a food list for her and I couldn't imagine what I wanted her to eat. I couldn't even imagine what my kid would eat. So it had gotten to the point where she was skin and bones, ribs were sticking out. I mean, she was, there was just, she was constipated. She wasn't sleeping. She had dark circles under her eyes. I mean, it was medically not a good situation for her. We started this clinic. It was life-changing. Watermelon is the easiest food and the first go-to food, by the way, for a child with a food aversion. This is a specialized clinic. This is all they do is feeding. They have a little plate. You choose your food. The food is so small on the plate, you almost can't actually see it. It almost looks like a speck of dirt on the plate. That is how small they start. And they work their way and they do it on a reward. She likes baby Gerber treats. So for every little bite she would try, she would get a Gerber thing. And the way they set her up to do it was seamless. Mm-hmm. I was sweating. I mean, I was just <laughs> like, she is never going to eat a friggin' carrot. Are you kidding me, Christine? Kaya loves carrots every day. And it was, um, so it was nine days. I did the dual program. So five days in clinic, four days in the home, because children with autism, when they learn a, something in one specific area, they won't transfer it. So if she learned to eat in the clinic, it didn't mean she'd eat at home. And so we did half and half. And then over time, we had to have therapists come into my mom's house and bring her there to eat. And you had to literally take places to introduce her different places to eat. It wasn't a given that she would just eat. So they just gradually, through those nine days, built up the amount of food, the size of the food, and the variety of the food. And it was life-changing, life-changing. And they also said a lot of times kids with autism that don't sleep a lot of them have these food aversions and they said they're freaking hungry and they're waking up in the mm. night, but they can't express to you that they're, they're just, they're literally, their bodies are starving. She couldn't learn. She couldn't sleep. She was, you know, all of those things that I never really thought were tied into her not eating. Mm. She just wasn't healthy. Did they give you insight into what they thought for her was the, but like deterrent to like trying food or eating food? No, they said kids with autism are finicky about colors. A lot of children like beige things. Um, Kaya, to this day, if you give her anything new, she'll smell it. Mm. Like it's still there. She'll smell it. Melissa does that too. Yeah. My son too. What what would a typical diet, like before you went to the clinic, like what would her typical, like a typical day look like? So every three weeks I had a pallet of organic baby food brought in to the local grocery store. They started recognizing me in there really because I was taking everything of the one flavor of baby puree she would eat, which was baby Mm -hmm. organics, mango, banana bliss. It's the only thing she'd eat. So I was taking everything off their shelves. And one day when I was clearing off the shelf, literally clearing off the shelf, 
the manager came up to me and said, why are you buying all this food all the time? And I told her and she said, my name is Tanya. Her name is Tanya. She mm. said, if you give me your order Tuesdays before three o'clock, I can have the pallet here Thursday for you. So I would Thank drive you, my Auntie SUV Tanya. to the front of the store. They'd let me drive right up to the front because they had to bring the whole pallet out. So Kaya ate 400 puree pouches every three weeks. Wow. Somehow along the way in all my calls, desperately trying to find food because she kind of cycled through this flavor and then that flavor. Mm -hmm. Heinz Canada got a hold of the story somehow and they actually sent me 400 baby pouches to my office. So an cool. email from them. So that was like wild because I couldn't find any at the time. So I would spend hours a day. I would drive as far as an hour and a half to get three baby pouches. I am not exaggerating. And mm. I'd collect as many in a day as I could. And that's all she ate. So that Kimmy Cheerios. Oh my gosh, there was really nothing. So that would be like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. Oh, just the staff. And baby water. Baby. She was always and water, she was yeah. good with water. Yeah. Always, right? So Jen, no other, no my... other drinks? No, no. Never. And did it like gradually, like, did this, was this always the way? So like, she never came out of that phase or did never. this like gradually get worse as she got older? No. And she didn't really like, oddly enough, she didn't like baby food when she was a baby even. So like Kaya was on her bottle until she was four. She literally lived off of milk. And so anyone listening, if you have a, someone who has a child like that, uh, just a FYI, they're not going to eat when they're hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and also fuck up about yeah. that absolutely and also comparing your kid like well my kid's a picky eater the difference is your kid chooses this is what I learned actually in the clinic uh, children are picky out of nature because they don't want to eat their broccoli that is a choice Kaya didn't have a choice in that there's no can't. comparison in the two she literally yeah. couldn't yeah can't yeah yeah can't. So with, with my yeah. nephew it's like he couldn't even like touch the food when he was younger before and like to us it's just like we it feels like such an eating is such a natural thing so like mm -hmm. people just don't understand that it's not like my kid not liking that it's like he can't like Jesse will never eat like mashed potatoes because Oh my God. You cannot do the texture. But Kaya was so extreme. And I, Jen, you should link the piece you wrote about that with her picture. Mm, yeah, send it, it to me. So I'll, I'll link it. Okay. I'll and link you know it in the comments. about that is they were, they said, what, what is she into? It was Angelina Ballerina at the time. So we brought her everywhere with us. So they set Angelina Ballerina up in a little chair and they fed her first and then they'd feed Kaya. And I think that was, that was a huge mm -hmm. part in that whole thing working. I literally dropped to my knees and I said, you saved her life. I don't know how I'll ever say thank you enough. I mean, it was really to watch it and looking back, I'm going to cry. It was remarkable to watch this. I remember sitting in the lobby. You can't be in the room with them because children are different with parents, but you can mm -hmm. watch it on closed circuit. They, the kid needs to be focused. They can't have you there for distraction, whatever. And I just sat in the lobby and I sobbed. I couldn't believe she was eating. Oh, I just couldn't gosh. believe she was eating something, you know? I remember you telling me, we talked about this really early on in our friendship and you were telling me, Rach, they have you make this list. And all I could think is mango banana smoothie or whatever. Like, yeah. how would I, I mean, ever come up How with do you make a list of what you get your kid to eat? So my mom did it. She did it, a list of everything. And my mom's very, or, everything's organic. She, everything is organic. And finally the feeding clinic's like, okay, we need to get over this organic stuff. Cause we just want her to eat some friggin' strawberries. Okay. So you can't find organic. You just need her to eat something. But she's still very rigid. She'll only eat Annie's organic mac and cheese, the blue box. So like mm -hmm. I couldn't make her craft dinner. She wouldn't eat it, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she's a little more flexible with uh, chicken fingers and, and now hash browns, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was a wild, wild. How does Alyssa do? Initially, and obviously she's a lot older. So like, I didn't know that this was, I don't think a lot of people know it's an autism thing, right? Because toddlers are picky by nature and we all hear the stories that 
Johnny only eats macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and french fries and peanut butter sandwich. You know what I mean? It's so it's like you hear all I want what Johnny's eating. Yeah. (laughs) He sounds so smart. (laughs) So Alyssa like was a great eater to begin with. She always drank her bottles well. She did baby food fine. She transitioned to finger foods fine. No issues. And then it was like you didn't even really notice that it happened. Like she just slowly started not eating certain stuff, which, you know, I want to say it started at like probably one and a half and not thinking too much of it at the time because you're like okay she's not gonna eat this you give her the next thing to the point that she was down to only eating a nutrient bar in cheese doodles this was literally her diet in milk she drank milk out of a bottle the people that we were working with i think there was so much going on at the time that we we were focused and worried about other things that that really like looking back like that to me now i feel like would be very concerning at that time and they didn't really have feeding therapy or if they did it would be like much much more extreme circumstances and then she slowly we got her to eat then pop tarts then she ate we have these pizzas they're called celeste frozen pizzas i don't know if everybody if they're in all the states or they're just here they're just little small frozen pizzas and they always go on sale for 99 cents and she would not well, and so like I would go to the store anytime there was a sale I couldn't get them so I'd have to hound the people I'd be like can you please check in the back this is the only food my two-year-old eats like literally the only thing she eats and then it was that and then we added in macaroni and cheese her grandmother got to eat that and then it was like those things nutrient bars pop tots cheese doodles macaroni and cheese and Celeste frozen pizza and I tell you she would not eat any other brand of pizza she would not eat pizza from a pizza shop and eventually she would eat McDonald's chicken nuggets and french fries and no other chicken nuggets no other frozen ones none from a sub shop none from a restaurant and there's no way to trick these kids no you can come up with any strategy (laughs) put them in different packaging do this do that do this and like Jen said I can't tell you how many times people have said they'll eat when they're hungry if you have autism you will not eat when you're hungry if it is due to like sensory and it's just they don't have like that thing of like even now she can go all day without eating she doesn't know she doesn't get those signals to her brain that tell her she has to eat and sometimes she would go through phases where she would just keep eating they don't get the things that tell them they're full either so there's so much behind the stuff with eating and I have to say I have a 19 year old daughter who does not have autism typical in every way you could think who has food aversions and I can tell you she will not eat when she's hungry and even though she doesn't have autism if her food is on a certain temperature I can't tell you the time this child's going to bed hungry and I don't think I fully understood it at first she won't eat it. She will not, she'll eat any junk food that she can have. I can tell you that though. But she would stop and get a bag of chips and not eat dinner. I'm telling you, she, when you have a food aversion, it's not that you're, it's like you said, Jen, it's not that you're being picky. You cannot eat it. You physically cannot. I had a food aversion when I was pregnant. So this is the only like, under, I don't have food aversions. I like food. The thought of the eating oh. these things literally make you sick. You can't do it. When you're throwing autism and, you know, the communication barrier and all these things. And like Jen, like you said, then it, it's their mood because if they're hungry, they're miserable. Um, and it took a really long time to get her to eat, but slowly over the, as the years went by, she did eat a little bit more, a little bit more. And a lot of the eating that honestly was her teachers at school because they found a method that worked with her where it's like, if she thought it was their food, she would eat off their plate. So they would purposely bring in like healthier options for her and kind of be like, oh, do you want, and that's how um, we got her to eat a lot of fruits and Mm -hmm. like salad. Cause she, I mean, she would never eat anything like that. 
in the house. Um, so she thinks it was yours, she would want it. But if like if we sent her that and gave it to her, she wouldn't touch it. They would purpose and they were great. They would purposely go out and this teacher had it in her thing that she wanted to get a little to eat healthier and she did it. But she's picky still, but she has a good variety of stuff that she eats. But she does like she does pick her food apart a lot, which kind of, but like, I mean, she'll pretty much everywhere we go, she gets, you know, she likes buffalo tenders, chicken tenders. She loves pasta. She loves rice. She doesn't eat a ton of vegetables, but she eats a couple. No, she doesn't really eat very many vegetables right now. Like, but the thing with her is like, if I don't give her a food in a certain amount of time frame, it's gone. It's gone. Like she used to eat steak. If we didn't have steak for a while, now she doesn't eat steak anymore. <laughs> just certain things that she used to eat. She used to eat like the vegetables when we did a stir fry. We kind of got away from those for a while. Now she won't eat them. So it's like the issues are still kind of there, but they're not. Well, uh, I think all the food hard. cycles, right? Like I know Celie cycles in her food. I mean, Nora loves root vegetables. Can't go wrong with yes, those. Yep. And Alyssa <laughs> loves ice cream. So that's one thing that she, will never get t- <laughs> that she will <laughs> never get tired of. But, um, you know, it's really interesting. And the more you learn about it, like, I said at the beginning, we didn't, we didn't realize, we didn't realize, but now looking back, I can kind of, you know, I can kind of see, and then I can see with my daughter who, who can communicate and tell me these things. Like she can't eat something if it's not a, if it's not a certain temperature, she won't eat it. Like literally you have to reheat her food for her to eat it. Alyssa couldn't tell me something like that though. Alyssa right. couldn't communicate that to me. Kira also it has to be a certain texture it has to be like hot and crunchy so she would eat like chicken tenders from a sub shop but she doesn't really eat the ones that you make in the house or she doesn't eat boneless chicken it has to have that hot crunchy and a lot of its texture and she's the same way we try to she will like take the teeniest nibble of something to be like I don't like it you know what I mean but it's like it's like it's not like a normal oh she's picky it's she literally she can't do it and she would go without eating like I've seen it in a it's interesting to see in a typical person and then a person with special needs you know what I mean but it's like I think Kara's worse than Alyssa to be honest because Alyssa at least eats more of a variety of food than she does um their thing I've, I forgot to mention is also when children don't eat they um it, their their tongue actually is very weak like they don't know how to actually Kaya didn't actually know how to chew something so right. like they literally had to should learn how to chew. And so children and thought strength to them, and strengthen, it's very common. It's called pocketing where they hide food in their cheeks. And yes, then she would, she would just swallow things whole that she wouldn't want to chew. Yep. And then, so that was like, I forgot. Jesse would do that. Yeah. And we would call Nixon him a chipmunk because he would Nixon just yeah. 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 She says very common wanna, with children autism. I just want to say too, like part of feeding therapy and a lot, you'll hear about this, especially kids as they get older and the foods grow less and less. It's like, part of the experience of eating it's like when I'm sure when we all grew up it's like you you sit at the table till your food's done or this or that like we're like with our kids they're so sensitive things when you make dinner time so unenjoyable and like a task they have to complete their way of like not even like consciously rebelling against that or going against wanting to get out of that experience is by not eating they're like well so like I can't make it work by your rules so I'm just I can't we're not. Exactly. Like I can't yeah. handle this. And so I'm just not going to do it. And so it becomes an aversion because of that too. So there's so well, many different ways. And, and it's funny that. that you say that because like Alyssa for a long time, I mean, she wasn't capable of sitting at a table. 
like yeah. it just so her things were like as she walked by we would like oh here or she'd come over to us for something but she would do a lot of her food kind of just on the couch or walking I mean I got pictures of her sitting on a big huge bouncy ball eating a piece of pizza it's like but when your child doesn't eat you're gonna well that's way we could get it in her you know the thing you talked about eating off of other people's plates, that of that's a feeding therapy strategy where you yeah. they eat off of other people's plates. Tab, mm-hmm. tell us about that cheese in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, Nixon's a good eater um, for the most part. He eats vegetables, fruits. Uh, he does not like meat. I don't, I was just trying to think while everyone was talking, like the first time he actually ate meat, he was probably like, I don't know, three or older, maybe. He always had an aversion to like, and I think it's a texture thing, not a taste thing. So he's a self-proclaimed vegetarian for the most part. Now he's opened the door to like cured meats. He'll eat dinosaur chicken nuggets. has to be a certain brand. Hamburgers and hot dogs. Hamburgers from anywhere or hamburgers at home, hamburgers, McDonald's. McDonald's hamburgers. Um, cheeseburgers has to be a cheeseburger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but he's always been a pretty good adventurous eater. Like he'll do the thing where he'll smell it first and then he'll give it a try. Even if he doesn't like it, he'll try, put it in his mouth. But he did a ton of that chipmunking in the cheeks when he was young. And we had so much choking with him. It was terrifying. It's like one of my biggest fears that my kids will choke. And he was, he was gagging all the time as a kid because he put so much food in his mouth, like just gallons of food in his mouth. And then just wait for it to get soft enough and like dribble back to the throats, like the swallow. He would just hold it in his cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then it would like, then it'd be too much and then he'd choke and sometimes he'd puke. It was a whole thing. So that was his main big thing with um, food. Nora is a very restrictive eater. When she was a baby, she had a lot of rashes, like really, really, really bad. Not like a typical diaper rash, like welts on the skin rashes from food. And she still can't eat raspberries because every time she eats raspberries, she gets these welts on her skin. So I think that might've caused her to have some of these food aversions because she would have this terrible reaction. I'm sure it didn't feel good on her stomach. Like there were a couple of times where she'd be up for a couple of days because of how much her stomach was hurting from eating certain foods. She has so much more sensory stuff than Nixon does, aversions and seeking. The smell, like the other night I was eating, it was like a Greek type plate with like broccoli, but the broccoliettes that were a different smell than regular broccoli. And she came over to me and like pushed my plate because of the smell. Like she didn't, the smell of my food that she didn't even have to eat was bothering her. She doesn't like vegetables at all. Anything green, she's not too hot on unless it's some kind of treat like fruit snacks or something. She doesn't, she will not. Green twin snakes are not green food. Let's be clear about that. Yes. Yes. So green food, she, even if it has a hint of green, like we've snuck things into other things and she will not eat it. She knows it's in there. We can do cauliflower, like macaroni and cheese she'll eat or um, stuff with cauliflower. We can sneak in to places. We've tried the smoothies. We've tried like everything under the sun to like get some vegetables in her. And it's really, really hard. A little pepperoni. Yeah, yeah that she, reminded me of something uh, just real quick I'll mention. They told me <clears throat> if your child eats a food, like let's say 
and I made the mistake. So I'm going to tell you, I, didn't, I made the mistake. She used to eat grilled cheeses. I changed the cheese in it. Now she will mm -hmm. not touch it. They said, mm -hmm. if your child eats a food, do not screw. Don't try to yeah. add things. Don't try to hide things in it. Don't try <laughs> to do this because they'll it'll they'll stop eating that food and then most likely will not eat that food again. She will not eat a grilled cheese. And she loved them. Yeah. Used a different cheese in it. Yeah, the, we lucked out with the cauliflower macaroni. Macaronis are all-time favorite food under the sun. And it has enough of a similar texture and mm -hmm. look to it that she'll go for it and she will eat a variety of macaronis which is lucky it's not just like a specific brand because she does have a lot of things that have to be the specific brand that she tried the very first time if it's something else if it looks different like she likes muffins but she won't eat the long muffin tops or whatever you know like if it's sparkly muffins the first time we're not eating the chocolate chip muffins or whatever the case may be with her but I think a lot of her food is the reaction she had as a baby and the mm -hmm. smell and look of foods. Yeah, like so it's not even the taste of it. And we did, her speech therapist did talk to us about her not cheeking like Nixon did where he stuffed his entire mouth, but they noticed that she has a problem, what you were saying with chewing, like the strength of her mouth to actually chew the food, which she might be avoiding because she's choked before as well, but it is complicated. And my kids, one thing we did do, Nixon went to a Montessori program and both my kids roam to eat. I mean, they don't sit down at the dinner table with us. They roam around with their food, but we got a tiny table in our house that we got with Nixon and he would sit at that table and eat his food in a special plate. And Nora knows that's where she eats her food. So if we're having dinner, she'll go to her own table to sit down and eat her dinner. And that's how we get her to like be sitting. It's not no. the whole meal, but mm -hmm. if it's something that she really likes, she'll sit down and actually, you know, she can, she has the skills to use a fork and a spoon. She'll do her own dinner herself at that tiny table. So I think that's a good tip for people who have roamers like mine who roam around and eat and we were never big on like forcing them to sit in a certain space to eat because it puts a bad context to the meal mm -hmm. you yes. know and if you feel comfortable walking around while you're eating because you need to get some energy out we're going to go for that if you're eating your food that's fine mary's all about it too marty is just following her around oh my god my dogs are so fat <laughs> they are so goddamn fat hey. after two toddlers but you can just, clean, you don't have to clean up. Yeah, roly-poly. Marty yeah. Is, a, is a stalker of my daughter. Mm -hmm. And she now just like throws whatever she's done with to she's him. Like, hey. like, quit feeding the dog. This dog is so bad. Quit I think too, sometimes dog. if they're distracted, especially kids that have these feeding issues, is another reason why like if they're roaming or something, they'll do it. Because it's like they're not thinking about eating they're thinking yeah. about like what they're going to do so it's like sometimes it's a good way to um and honestly Alyssa a lot of the foods we got her to eat were because she like was like a lap sitter when she was younger so she would be sitting at the table like sitting on someone's lap at the table just because she wanted to be on your lap my and kids then, like yeah. to do that too yeah, yeah and they... then because the food was there sometimes we got her you know like the macaroni and cheese was so random it was like I mean this literally felt like a miracle like 
if you could have food issues, you could understand this, but like, it was literally like a miracle that she ate like some other food. Love My it. son who's 30 hates macaroni and cheese because he had it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to travel a lot when she was younger. Her dad lives in California and I would pack, but as she got older, I actually had to get a letter from her doctor because you can't go through security with liquids and baby food is mm. considered a liquid. Most of it was always packed in my suitcase, like the front yeah. of my suitcase. I had bought a hard suitcase for that reason. So I could pack and it was loaded in all of her baby food. And, but we were traveling for the day. I needed to bring food and I had a letter <clears throat> and I got a jerk going through and the supervisor came over and they ended up, I'm like, you don't understand. She will have nothing to eat for the rest of the day nothing. I gave the letter. Um, so that was really hard to travel with her because I had to pack an entire suitcase of food. It was such a, it was such, it was so hard to do any of that kind of stuff. And they're out of the thing that your kid is, will eat. Like we don't have that restriction, that as much restrictions as, as Kaya, but if you don't have anything in your house that your kid is asking for a hundred times, that you can't find in the grocery store or you can't get the specific brand and they won't eat anything else. And then they get fixated on this one item that you can't provide for them. Yeah. Creates a lot of like stress. Oh God, they, they change the packaging. Trish. You know, they change the packaging. Sometimes that can really throw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they did too. that with baby food. So, yeah. and this is where Kim said, you cannot trick them. So I was like, oh, I'll just keep the lids. No, no. Cause she knows the crack sound when it opens. Oh yeah. So they changed it from a green lid to an orange lid and it was detrimental. Mm. Why are you changing the freaking lid? It was beautiful at green. <laughs> Bring the green back. Who wants to eat an orange lid? Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard because like I said at the beginning and certainly in regards to Celie, I never knew how many layers go into accepting that it's a mealtime, having the skills to go through the action having the ability to swallow it, letting it digest, having the willingness to let her buck when you got to poop it out. Like there is so much to eating. Mm -hmm. Then all of the sensory, then the color of the cheese, then the wrapper. Mm -hmm. Then is it on the right plate? Is it cut the right way? Like, you know, like many of you have said, we have, we do not have the extreme that Kaya and Jen have dealt with. And there is even more extreme than Kaya and Jen. We have plenty of friends that have kids with feeding tubes because it's not a hurdle that could be passed mm -hmm. at that time yep. or with this many doctors or with these, this act. So our issues, like everybody has said, are small in comparison to those. But man, I'll tell you what, we've had to learn the tricks of like, Celie, don't eat this. This is mom's. Oh, I'm going to race you. Or I bet you can't eat a piece of banana. Like it always has to have this like trickster element to get her to want to even engage it. I can remember um, the first day that Celie had Ritalin. At the time she was diagnosed with ADHD, or I'm sorry, autism and combination ADHD. And the first Ritalin she had, it was like 1130 that day. And she picks up a fork and she goes, a dingle hopper? <laughs> so my kid, it took until she was on a stimulant to realize that silly thing that is next to the fork that's at a table, which has chairs at it that are hard to sit in, that this is a tool to access food. Like she yeah. just didn't understand. There's so many, like Celie is so freaking busy mm. that she never sat, she never stopped. She never, 
finished a meal. She never finished a cup of something. It was constantly on the go. And she gets so stuck in these rigid ruts. Like we'll be 13 weeks on chicken ramen, six months until the COVID-19 of princess soup. And then you cannot get the goddamn princess soup, okay? Or this one time they started putting that Anna on the frozen soup instead of Elsa. Like there is this rigidity to it that is, again, sounds brat is not like she mm-hmm. will not eat another it's, tip you just reminded me rach thank you so scrambled eggs is one of the things i wanted to eat eggs i scrambled the eggs what? they're too small they had me make them almost like an omelet and cut them in pieces so that she could pick the pick pieces up. up yeah so as long as you can yeah. it, which of course then we went into a fork but before yeah. the skill of a fork which she's mainly lost because i've not kept that up other than with mac and cheese but it was teaching me how to make the food that she would actually eat so like if you ever see the eggs I make her they're not like scrambled scrambled I literally make an omelet and then I just chop it into pieces and she just picks right. it up and eats it and, and my kids prefer so, I mean they, they now, can both use silverware but they prefer to eat with their hands mm-hmm. I mean they prefer they prefer they'll think, hold a fork in their hand and use the other hand to eat yeah, food yeah, you know it's like yeah Nora's double dipping okay I know that girl she's we like, not there to get him to use the hand with the fork in it like nobody yeah yeah I mean I, I remember there was a point that we didn't think we didn't think she would they said it was possible that she would never use a fork yeah in we believe them because it seemed very apparent. Of course, she didn't really eat many foods that you would have to use a fork for. So like, yeah, that also probably plays into like why it took so long. You know what I mean? Because only the mac and cheese would be the only thing that she would have needed. Like, I mean, you're not going to eat a fork with a pop tot or a Nutri-Gram box. We try now, like when things are a little bit more flexible with Sealy's, well, it doesn't even matter if it's flexible. We have to, as a family, make sure that we are not serving her in a teal bowl all the time. So like against what Jen is saying, she's saying, you know, if the grilled cheese is working for 13 years, don't touch that goddamn grilled cheese. We I rotate risk. food. I rotate bowls, but food in I itself, you can't adjust risk, the food. Like I can't risk the same cup being used for orange juice twice. I can't, and I don't want to say like give in, but we have to try and rotate a white, a white fork in so that it's not just the aerial color green ones or the Elsa color blue ones. We have to cut cheese slightly different. We have to serve hash, like toast with the crust and with the crust off different brands of toast. Because if she gets stuck in these ruts, it Everything becomes a thing. be years. Right now we're about to start this new ABA center for Sealy. And um, one of the pros for us is that uh, they serve lunch which she's always more flexible out of our home, like the magic mm-hmm. of the lunch lady. See, yeah. I would never eat lunch at a school. That would never happen. <laughs> I would have to send her lunch. And the difference in a bowl, like you were saying, like I rotate that stuff too, but I'm talking about a kid that doesn't eat food and goes through a feeding clinic. You don't mess with the way you cut that cheese <laughs> or you're going to risk losing that food group. You know what I mean? So there's yeah, just like Rachel I'm said, there's different saying, levels of yeah, like the variety yeah, it's like of things. At our level with the problems we have with Jesse, we were told to get him to try different food. Like he would eat those fig bars. We were told, okay, practice cutting the fig bar in half and then see if he'll still eat it. And then cut it into fourth to get the variation there. And then you can introduce a new food. So every level it's like, I'm sure Jen's and it level is, is desperate. so complicated. Like, Don't touch that. Just like, she'll eat it, she'll eat it. And it well, depends on the kid. When, depends when on the, kid. the kid and the approach and the 
where, you know, how high is that marker on their impact through the day in their struggle, right? But is if Celie's whole thing is about anxiety, what will this food be if it becomes in a yeah. pink bowl? Or if it's rigidity because it isn't the whatever, or it's sensory. Exactly. Like why, not that you need to understand the root because often that's like a freaking guess right now. Yeah. <laughs> but if your view is coming from that angle, you're going to be OT flexible, not ABA strict. You know, well, I, I think like for Nora, if I change the cheese on a grilled cheese, she might never eat a grilled cheese again. But for Nixon, if I change the shape of the bread or the brand of the bread, he won't eat the grilled cheese that day. But if we get the right bread, he'll eat it again. You know what I mean? Right. Like for my daughter, for sure, if you change something one time, you may never get her to eat it again. And <laughs> it is helpful. Never. I think like, I think you have a good point, Rachel. I was just thinking about this. So the thing is the food things aren't just one thing. Like yeah, it can be come from rigidity. Yeah. It can come from sensory. It can come from a food aversion. These are three very different things. And if you have a child like mine, you might not find out what that is because she can't tell you. So you you can't like all three of those things have to be kind of treated in a different way. But I mean, a sensory if thing you put you, together that she can't make a certain sound, then she also can't eat a certain thing. Then this is muscular, right? Like right. If she can't say like ba, you, ba, If it's a sensory thing, you you can you can get once you get it in, you can get them mm -hmm. used to it. A food aversion that's not going to happen, right? But if you don't know, then you don't know. Then you're just going to try all the. And I also found that, I mean, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of research on how certain foods just aren't good. I mean, they're not good for any of us, but especially with autism that they, you know, they cause the leaky gut and they cause a lot of things. And like for us, that's all the foods that she ate. That's all we ever gave her because that's all she would ever eat. Yeah. Macaroni and cheese, worst possible thing you could probably ever give a child. Um, nutrient bars. I mean, <laughs> we're not, you know, there's a little, there is some nutrition, not a lot. Pots. Nope, not good. I mean, pizza. Uh, and then like yeah. when she finally, I think the next thing we got her to eat would have been pasta, which she still loves to this day. But like, these are things that are all not good for her body. And then it makes me wonder like, gosh, did I just cause this to get worse because she never had anything else? I mean, if I could know. take did and is out of our goddamn language. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, but I'm just but saying it's real. It's, like, it's real. But then what do you do? Have her not eat? I mean, and then she'd be dead. So like <laughs> we went on a cruise. We um we we did a cruise. Kai got seasick. We were in the cabin the whole time. But she had her baby food and and then she would eat fries. And this is after. It's the only thing on the menu that she would eat would be the fries. And she at the time would only eat one kind of fry. And there was different kitchens on the boat, on the ship or whatever. The guy that ran the kitchen was so nice because that's all I was ordering for her is he went to the other kitchen area of the ship yeah. and brought back a bag frozen bag of the fries she would eat and they were labeled for sweet number whatever we were cabin number whatever and whenever I'd call she'd get the only the kind that she liked mm. so like you get nice people you get really lucky you know yeah. like, yeah, it's no, hard I just I mean again if this is not your life please understand that this is again very multifaceted Yes. Very, very multifaceted. There could, if some of this sounds like your friend's kid or your sister-in-law's kid, and you're having this aha moment, you know, elements of what 
we're talking about, like Kim mentioned about her, her daughter, these things can happen if you're neurotypical, if these, these parts of these conversations are ringing your bell. But the thing is, is that with autism and with all of the, the whole spectrum and all these like eight senses that our children have, there's just so many ways that things like food can go mm-hmm. way wrong, way fast and become so much bigger. I'm mm-hmm. sure that whether or not your kid has a feeding thing or not, you can hear the fear of the snowball in each of us. Mm-hmm. The, if we do this and we lose that, then we will never. Yeah. yeah. It's that panic of it. I, they laughed yeah. because when we came out of there, my kid was, I mean, they're like, we have yeah. never had a kid come out eating what your kid, she was eating eggplant. She was eating salmon. They're like, yeah, because my mom, right, made the list of all the healthy things. And, <laughs> yeah. and they said, you know, we should like, beluga get, caviar, please. Right? They're like, you know, we usually get the kid to eat a different kind of mac and cheese. They come out eating <laughs> hot dogs, chicken fingers, french fries. They don't come out eating eggplant, like salmon. sauce, please. Yes. What the shit? Some Bernays. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, what is with chicken tenders or chicken nuggets? Like, oh, oh my God. And sprinkle. does McDonald's sprinkle de-autism in the <laughs> goddamn it. I want a chicken tender so bad right now. The ones that Carol eat, the crispy crispy ones. Yeah. Like somebody said with their kid not eating meat, and this that's the same thing with them too. And we're meat eaters, so it's not like they weren't around it. I mean Carol only started eating meat probably she's 19, probably three years ago. That's probably because she saw raw chicken breast once. With with the check the with the exception of chicken tenders from a sub shop or like you know a McDonald's or something like that any other meat has been in the last three years and it's it's not like she's a vegetarian she eats all carbs so it's not like, <laughs> she's not eating vegetables she's just eating french fries and chicken tenders and oh god, oh god. and Alyssa was the same way she probably didn't have meat until she was like 10 maybe yeah. daily one of her first like um breakaway foods from the pouches was dehydrated edamame and so she'd carry around this bag of like salted edamame, but they had the skin on them. I'm like, how? So then food was just wrecked for the longest time. And we had no idea she was on the spectrum. We didn't know about this. We didn't know about that. Like we had no idea. But how you can go from baby food to edamame and pepperoni, which we called breakfast sausage, we called dinner, we called lunch meat, we called pepperoni, the whole deal. She like lived on that and water for a good long hot hot time. But Celie too, like you were saying, tabs about the rashes for Nora. She had such an allergy struggle for the first several years of her life that if you put milk in, if you put dairy in and it was softer than a cheese, like it got further down the system before it turned the mucus worse, she would throw up. It would be, it would like create its own cheese. I mean, disgusting. Sorry folks on a Monday morning, but- I mean, yeah. So then we stopped everything but water for the longest time, and we had no idea. And then later, she has words, and she's like, "Milk makes me throw up." Well, the kid hadn't had a damn drink of milk in like two years. How do you know that? Well, because milk makes her puke. Yeah. <laughs> number, number two, she's known that the whole friggin' time. Yeah, we we've it, we've had uh, the slip up where she, at outside of the house she's had a cupcake with raspberries in it or something and then it's like this violent rash mm-hmm. that comes back I'm like that must be I mean you know she knows that 
I mean, like whatever is putting in your mouth is connected is to this. Is singing the Daniel Tiger Peaches song, the allergies, food allergies, Daniel Tiger? No, like you think of Nora or Alyssa, you don't know, like with Nora, you can see that rash. Yeah. But if it's hurting their stomach and they can't express that to you. Yeah, we would never know. It's like these a-holes keep feeding me crap that's making yeah. me hurt and I can't they can't communicate that too so that's just another element with our kids like, yeah like Jesse the one that I think now at seven might have the words to tell me something was hurting his stomach but that's still a big maybe for me yeah. but it like your children that are completely nonverbal, how are they yeah. Gonna express yeah. It? yeah and they're eating all carbs so Alyssa had I mean basically like not constipated but like yeah. Those, yeah right everything was hard that doesn't feel good yeah i added blueberries because i thought oh, she's gonna get this kid to poop if it kills me i mean she couldn't go to the bathroom i am talking in the shower on her knees strained pushing hanging out of the sides it just it's caused horrific damage to her but she um it, it took almost a year for her bowels to move it took almost a year after eating that's how much damage to her system and her digestive system was done um the other thing too is they told me because along the way of all this she started eating like plain like ruffles chips or pringles whatever it was but immediately following the feeding clinic i was not to take her into a grocery store because it would trigger the other things the baby food most important they didn't want her to have or see access to that baby food that's what i was just gonna i was gonna trigger ask you if no. you stop that like right after the feeding clinic, yeah that stopped yeah it was like a yeah a slow process so that just stopped um it was kind of faded out but when she started Wait, eating in those was, nine days yeah it was pretty but quick the grocery store's like uh ma'am yeah what's going oh, on yeah. ma'am tanya's well, like where's my tuesday call before yeah. three but well, what you were saying earlier rach it's so like the judgment you feel as a parent around mm-hmm. feeding because everyone has an opinion on it oh just, my god like just just do this or just tell them, just make them sit at the table. Like, don't judge people. If you are at a restaurant and there's a kid and the rest of their family's eating and they're not, you know what? It's probably a big deal that kid's sitting there. Or if you're at a restaurant and a kid's just eating a dessert and nothing else, like for a big bowl of rice, that kid might be eating. And that let's be, be clear. If you see a family at a restaurant and there's a kid with a blaring iPad there, you pay for the freaking drinks for the mom and the dad. That's what you should do. <laughs> and yes. then if they're only eating fries and orange juice with a blue straw, I mean, for God's sakes, buy them too. Get yeah. the second round. <laughs> yeah, food is complicated because we have to eat to live. So but if that's how it works, I'm gonna live forever. I'm <laughs> golden. We have to eat to live. And our kids will never do something that they, they don't, don't want to do. Want to do. I mean. <laughs> That's just what it boils down to. It, I mean, you can take steps to change that. Mm-hmm. But in the moment of time where you haven't been able to take the steps yet to change that, my daughter will not eat a freaking green vegetable at this point in time. Will that change in the future? There's hope for us. <laughs> we will see. It will probably be some like, random, like, unexpected thing that she just does one day and you're like, wait. To Wait, be, to be I have, I did let her pick things out at when we were past that not going. And then it was fun to take her and let her to pick things out. And you know, like the long carrot, she calls them fairy carrots. <laughs> saw them on some kind of something. So fairy carrots. So I will Rachel buy those occasionally to switch it up, but she doesn't want to eat them. Like, and it's yeah. like, well, you know what? I'd rather just give her the baby carrots. Cause I know she's eating. She's eating yeah. the vegetable. 
I'm not going to have a battle about carrots, but I do every now and then switch it up. Oh yeah. And we do that. Like now Nick, I do, Nixon, but not in the beginning. Now Nixon was watching um, Abominable. Have you seen yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And the it's the uh, nine nice pork buns. And so he kept asking over and over and over again that he wanted these pork buns because he's seeing them on Abominable. I'm like, someone in Phoenix has to sell pork buns. <laughs> So I freaking order the pork buns for you. Did? Yes. Like if you're if you're willing to try it, we're gonna yeah. find the pork buns. And so we ordered them and he took one look at it. He's like, no. No, Jesse did the same thing. Jesse loves Peter Rabbit. He loved like when he was younger. I mean he still loves Peter Rabbit, but anything rabbits and rabbits eat carrots. So one time he told me he was like carrots, carrots. So I was like, okay, I'll give you a carrot. And he took a bite and he's like, What is wrong with these rabbits? she won't eat raw carrots she'll only eat them cooked but she discovered snapchat back in the day and it was the filter with the rabbit and she grabbed a mini carrot and she ate it because of the snapchat filter do you think she'll eat it again oh no i she mean be still my heart my kid can't wear underwear and she can sleep in a tool dress if it looks like <laughs> i don't understand so like how you can just decide to eat the carrot after we paid 10 grand for you to eat a nibble. Right. Tell I you. a little flack from people. They're like, well, it must be nice if you can pay for that. We can't afford that. That would be very clear. Yeah. I had credit cards and it took me a long time to pay off that $10,000. So we are not I, I talking know. about some like accessory luxury. chest camp. A luxury, oh, yeah. a luxury. Yeah. There was like a it was, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it must be nice. You know, must be nice. Yeah, must be I nice to spend that on my kid to eat. Like, come on. You haven't even touched on like, I can say in our home, my daughter just turned seven recently. One year ago from right now, she was hospitalized. She had been on and trialed so many drugs prior to that. You know, I make that sound like we were like shopping at the apothecary. We were under doctor order and we went through lots and lots and lots of med trials. Layered them up, did this, dropped some off, tried over, whatever, which is very typical of the life that we were living in autism with aggression at that age, it's pretty typical to have that as an option. Her body changed so much. Oh my gosh, yes. And what nobody would talk about and hear me out, if my kid could be safe and she gained weight because of the medication that worked to keep her safe, take the meds, we're gonna talk about confidence, we're going to put tutu on it and we're going to get through that. Like who cares? But now knowing that none of those meds worked, having to like get my daughter back after all of that compulsive and habitual and like cyclical eating as a result of dosing of meds has been crazy. Oh my gosh. It is mind blowing that. And I think that's part of the judgment too, that comes along with this life is that kids weight gain can be associated with medication it's not that they're overeating or not eating the correct things which might be the case too but those medications can cause a dramatic change in people's bodies and there's a lot of judgment around you know our kids weight and what they look like and then once something sets the pattern right like once the pattern is there the kid eats three minutes after medicine is dosed or seven minutes after this medication is dosed like cyclically it becomes a thing yeah it it's just really layered and that's you know we certainly ladies have not covered the half of feeding Um, Mm -hmm. we don't even represent 
five separate markers in this conversation, I don't necessarily think. There is so much more to this, but we wanted to let you know you're not alone, that this is common, that it definitely is what your mom gut is saying it is. If you think Holy Christmas, it's about chewing, it's the muscles that the girls were talking about, or it's um, so much rigidity, it's anxiety-based. Like there are so many facets to this. And if your doctor is telling you, no, don't worry about it. And you're worried about it, get some information. Look, look up the words that we've used today that maybe you just heard. Like there is so much to it. There's just so much to it. I don't yeah. know. Do you guys have anything to close? I feel like we can't even talk about feeding. Well, and if, if your kid needs to roam around to eat more power to you, let the dogs clean that stuff up. You know, if, <laughs> I mean, we've had people tell us to change where they're sitting to change, you know, all kinds of things. And I'm like, I'm not going to put a negative context around my kids eating period. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to force them to be in a certain space yeah, to eat. Why do they have to sit at the table? Like, no, why does it matter? Yeah, and that's another work. thing too. She likes to eat on the couch and yeah. her therapist said to me, if she eats on the couch, she's eating dinner on the couch and she's no, eating she's dinner. Because right? okay. I was getting all, yeah. well, you know, there's time for that. I was going to say too. So Tabs, you reminded. So Jesse used to do that too. I'm really afraid of choking. So it got to the point where like, he'd be running around and eating. And so like, it was, it became a goal of ours for him to sit at the table. And at six, we started working on that because that's when they start getting old enough to differentiate those aversions of like you're forcing me to sit at the table and we still don't force him to sit at the table but we kind of like with all therapy we've come up with a thing like okay you take a bite you eat and then go run around and then come back so yeah you can always build off of those things or just do what works for you and whatever like who cares like or the separate table that's what i have a friend who has to watch tv while he's eating so he's distracted putting food in his mouth she he's eating that's all she you know like that's the goal met the number yep, one goal exactly yeah yeah do like, what works do for you now like she eats at the table you know what i mean when she was nora's age that was that was not gonna happen yeah. and we were more concerned with getting food in her at that point and then slowly we got her to the table and it's nice to have everybody at the table together like that's a nice thing to have yeah we have that for dinner snacks and you know she's very compartmental everything so it's like if she has a certain snack that's on the couch if she has a certain meal yeah that's at the table if she you know what I mean and then it's like she won't sit at the table and eat yogurt she tell me Fritos are in bed tell me Fritos or Doritos are the in-bed snack she would never ever bring food into her room (laughs) food doesn't belong that's her own thing that's yeah you know overall I think like what Taz was saying like do what works for you and don't worry what other people yes mom or yeah. cousin sister whatever you need to sit at the table you need to have them sit. no i need to have my kid eat first and have a good relationship with food and then move on and then if you're one exactly. of those people kind of judging people maybe don't <laughs> yeah yeah and if yeah. someone says they'll eat when they're hungry and you want to throw a punch them we won't judge you we will not judge you <laughs> yeah All right. carla sent you. yeah carla <laughs> <laughs> yes. hey we want to thank everybody um up next we have an episode with the extra lucky moms taryn and jess from extra lucky moms we're going to be um doing an episode for down syndrome day on march 21st and then uh we'll be coming at 
or coming with our next series after that. So we look forward to having you around. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a great day. Remember Bye. to share it to your friends. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode on feeding. If you are enjoying the podcast and where your listing allows, we would appreciate if you could rate and review us. If you'd like to learn more about us, make sure you check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can also contact us at tableforfivepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for our interview with Extra Lucky Moms. We'll see you then. Bye.